Hello everyone, welcome back to Talking in the Rain. Today, I have choreographer Joshua Beamish with me. Also, hello, I am Saira Unju, your host. <laughs> Joshua founded the dance company, moved the company back in 2005, and his latest work with this company, Source Amnesia, will make its world premiere at the Vancouver Playhouse on January 13th. Before we get into the episode, I'd like to give some more information on the name of the show, Source Amnesia. Uh, as a term, is the inability to recall where, when, or how one has learned knowledge that has been acquired and retained. We also mention memory distrust syndrome, which is a term coined by Gud Johnson and McKeith to describe a condition where people develop profound distrust from their memory and become susceptible to relying on external cues and suggestions from others. But don't worry, this is not a psychology podcast, so we don't get into these details. Um, you know, we don't get into detail about these terms, we just mention them. But, you know, I wanted to, to tell you what they are since Joshua drew inspiration from them. And apart from Source Amnesia specifically, as the show, <laughs> we also get into life as a choreographer, creating for the stage versus the screen, um, creating Move the Company, and how he would have done it differently if he were to do it now, and some more. I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for joining me, Joshua. Uh, so today we'll be talking about Source Amnesia, which will be making its world premiere at the Vancouver Playhouse uh, this January with your company, Move the Company. And I would like to get into it. <laughs> so uh, when choreographing this work, you drew upon two sources, which um, are your own family's experiences with dementia and amnesia, and also historical examples of episodic memory distortion and memory distrust syndrome. So I would like to know about the creation process. Did this I guess the theme come to you first. Did you decide to make this work about uh, amnesia and memory dysfunctions? Or you decided that you wanted to create something about these things the more you researched them? Uh, yeah, so the theme was very much determined from before the start of the process. I um, had been applying for funding uh, for research phases, just for general choreographic research, um, with the intention that I thought I would want to make a full production out of the, the work. But I applied specifically to research the um, potential choreographic and physical properties of memory distortion and replacing a known, the, the act of identifying a source, manipulating a source, uh, replacing a source, considering choreography as a potential truth that could be subjected to false prompts. So these ideas were all um, very much determined from the outset. And then I, I dove into them in the research process. Mm -hmm. And how long did the research process take you? Uh, we had a month of research uh, in January and February 2022, mm -hmm. um, but it was uh, kind of derailed a bit by Omicron, mm -hmm. uh, the very unexpected like resurgence of the pandemic in the most extreme way. And so even though we had a month, 
there were people coming in and out. There were people whose planes were can were canceled, and uh, everything was totally chaotic at that time. So I felt like we barely had three weeks mm -hmm. in actuality, um, and then we uh, came back together again in November, the very last week of November uh, this year. And so we'll have a month leading up to we had a month leading up to the Christmas holidays, and then we begin again tomorrow through to the premiere. Mm, all right. And so this is a 70 minute work, I guess, uh, correct? Yes. How long does that does it take you usually to choreograph a work this length? Uh, I think it's really common for it to take me, I'd say six to eight weeks, which All right. is what I had for this this process. I think like generally I, I could make it faster. Mm -hmm. But I think if I was making it faster, I would be relying exclusively upon known tactics mm -hmm. and I would take a lot less risk. So I've really spent time to uh, challenge myself and challenge the artists and um, yeah, dive deeper into the potential of the subject matter. Mm -hmm. Do you tend to change a lot of things when you're working with the dancers or do you kind of just stick to what you already have in your head when it comes to to creating um my choreographic process is a perpetual state of change <laughs> um, one of the dancers actually said to me i mean source amnesia is a very like apt title for your entire process as a as a choreographer because i'm very interested in the idea that something is constantly constantly a potential something else mm -hmm. and so the arm can be straight out to the side and if you flip the hand to face any direction it communicates something minutely or completely different mm -hmm. so i am constantly considering how i can detail things further i i tend to call them clarify changes <laughs> <laughs> so they're uh so they're they're often they're just like clarifying the most potent um, potential version of that moment. And talking about the creation process, uh, the music for Source Amnesia is by British electronic musician um, Rival Consoles. And so with any piece of dance, I wonder, did the music come first or was it created for this project specifically? Um, so all of this music is pre-recorded. It's just... Mm -hmm. uh, it's music that this DJ has released mm -hmm. publicly that anyone can access. Uh, it was not in any way created for the piece. Mm -hmm. And it was just music that I had come across and was listening to at the time of the research. And I became really attached to the the drive and um, like feeling the feeling and vibe of the music. It's, it's electronic. It's very pulsing and driving and... Um, yeah, it has a lot of shift within it. It go, it takes you a lot of places. Some some of it sounds very dark. Some of it sounds very hopeful. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of what was already playing, and I tried to look for other things, and mm -hmm. nothing felt right. So I just stayed with it. Yeah, I feel like especially if you were listening to that while you were doing the research for this, it would make sense that I, you just connected the two, right? Yeah. 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 So talking about research and well the theme of this this project you know how for actors people always talk about the emotional toll it must take to to connect with a character to get into a character and for dancers there is a an emotional toll but there's also this um 
physical uh, challenges. And so for you as a choreographer, what do you think is the most difficult slash challenging aspect, um, especially with this work that uh, you drew inspiration from something as personal as your own family's experiences with dementia? I think the most difficult part of the choreographic process is that you are working with dancers who are people with their own minds and their own uh, creative and personal agendas and their own changing relationships to their own bodies. Mm -hmm. And so um, something that felt good for someone one day cannot feel good for them the next day or they might, uh, it might doing it repeatedly, it might come up that it aggravates an old injury that they had, or um, someone cannot realize something that they were automatically doing, and then they think too much about it once, and then that thing disappears, or mm -hmm. something that you thought that they understood they were doing, they didn't even, weren't even aware they were doing it. So I think that that's the difference of, of being a choreographer relative to any other form I mean, yes, a, a composer requires musicians, mm -hmm. um, but there's something about the kind of like full body, full intellect, full emotional experience of being a dancer that I think makes the outcome and the craft and the, the product of choreography ever shifting so entirely every time it's ever delivered. So the challenge is finding a dialogue and an empathy and uh, compassion and a process for for being in that state with dancers mm -hmm. um, because they are giving so much to your work, but also your work is entirely in their hands. Mm -hmm. So that is by far the biggest challenge that I face. But also dancers can produce the most incredible magic that you didn't even know. They can add things to your work that would not, never have been possible without that freedom. So it's, it, you, it, it's completely worth it um, mm -hmm. for me. But definitely it's something that you have to get used to psychologically, <laughs> I think. And then um, relative to this work, I haven't actually, I have actually found it strangely to be the least personal thing that I've ever made oh, because okay. I think because I think it's existing in a capacity that is so universal because mm -hmm. we're all experiencing the information age it's overwhelming it's confusing it's exciting it's draining and then almost every person has some kind of connection to a friend or a family member who has experienced some kind of memory uh, change or difficulty especially in their elder years or as a result of an accident so a lot of my other pieces felt very specific to me or my lens and this feels that because I think I spent so much time researching and I've explored it both emotionally and intellectually mm -hmm. it really feels like it's more designed to be general for anyone to see themselves in more so than anything I've ever made mm -hmm. so um, yes of course it's like difficult to have memories of my my grandma not knowing who I am anymore and speaking to me as if I was like a like hot young guy walking down the street who she'd never met or something was like there's like weird moments like that yeah. that you experience with people right um but I also feel like that adds to the intrigue but um I was far more interested in the work from a scientific conceptual general universal space mm -hmm. so I don't feel like it was like big personal trauma to explore my 
my connections to the subject. Yeah, that's very interesting. Have you ever created work where you did have a very difficult time because it was so personal? Yeah, my last two productions, So Dodd and At Giselle, are far mm -hmm. more personal um, because So Dodd follows these six characters and I have been all six of them at different points in my life, I feel. Mm -hmm or I drew upon parts of how I how differently I have felt in each of the significant romantic relationships I've ever had. So um, it kind of illustrates how in one relationship you can be one person to someone and then the next you, you may be the opposite role based on the chemistry between the two of you or the dynamic. And so there sometimes when it's performed really, really well, especially that show can be difficult for me to watch or if it's not mm. performed well, it can be difficult for me to watch because it's so personal. Yeah. Um, whereas I feel like I can watch this show much more matter of factly and just be like, OK, well, we just have to fix this thing. But it's not at like a personal cost to me in the same way, yeah. uh, which feels like more mature and more exciting for this point in my career is like to yeah to work on things that don't necessarily have to be so com completely personal that it can yeah. be like de devastating it's <laughs> like it like it, I think you can be very honest in your work without having to put yourself through that yeah oh definitely and on the other end of the spectrum do you ever have work where you feel <laughs> I guess <laughs> I feel weird saying this but no emotional connection to the work <laughs> I would say no I don't think that I have work no actually I, I guess like if I'm hired to do a commercial project or something, mm -hmm. sometimes I can have no emotional connection to it because I'm just servicing a need for another art form and it can just be fun. But mm -hmm. even like feeling like something is fun is an emotional connection. Like I had a good time doing that or or like I, I think um I put a lot of a lot of care into everything that I make, regardless of of what it is or how big the scale of it is like a you know a three minute solo for a 12 year old ballerina for dance competition I put as much care into the craft of that as I do anything else yeah. and then it can be very even though the solo is short it can be very emotional to watch you know a, a young emerging dancer perform something really well and really understand how to take direction even if the work is just a series of steps so it's I think it's like my emotional connection to things is often relative to the process as well mm -hmm. all right interesting and now the real question <laughs> as a choreographer are you the type to count or make random noises <laughs> definitely random noises yeah yeah definitely random noises um however I've tried to get better at counting mm -hmm. but I I um definitely am like very happy to pass that off on other people yeah do yeah. the do your dancers ever not really make fun of you but I don't know does it make create I guess a fun environment in the the rehearsal room <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I, I definitely make weird noises. I watch things upside down or sideways. <laughs> I get my head tilted in very strange ways. And when I'm in the theater watching things, I'm like constantly moving my body around everywhere they're going in the space. So I have like, my body is very viscerally connected to what they're doing on yeah. a much more minute scale, but in a way that I think is apparently quite funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, I feel like, either doing things what seems as weird to other people or 
whether it is just like you know as you said watching things sideways or sitting in a a different position is a curse that comes with dancing (laughs) it is yeah like when I was growing up one of my ballet teachers used to like he couldn't watch us so he would watch us through his uh his eyes covered through like the gaps in his fingers and like how big the gaps were dictated how poorly he thought we were dancing um so yeah I love that so much all right I have some questions about Move the Company. So you founded Move the Company in 2005. What pushed you into deciding to create your own company? Um, So I grew up in Kelowna, BC, which is a much bigger place now than it was when I was a kid. And Mm -hmm. this is before UBC, Okanagan, and um, it was not exactly like an international destination for anyone, Mm -hmm. I would imagine. And so um, I was not very exposed to what was out there in dance and the only professional dance companies that I had ever seen live were Royal Winnipeg Ballet and maybe Toronto Dance Theatre I don't even know if I'd seen them by that point so again entirely Canadian in scope very classical ballet or at the time Toronto Dance Theatre was much more I'd say like classically modern dance driven Mm -hmm. Um, but definitely like really virtuosic and based on an established vocabulary of steps. But at the same time, um, I my international dance influence was entirely commercial. So mm-hmm. I was often traveling to dance conventions and workshops to learn hip hop and street dance and jazz. And so I I really loved that kind of movement. Mm-hmm. And but my mom was a ballet teacher. And the only thing I'd ever been exposed to in professional dance was very classical or form-based or traditional, I guess. So when I was starting my professional career, I wasn't really that aware that that there were contemporary dance companies out there that um, were kind of working in a fusion of forms that you could move really complexly, but also be relative to a ballet technique, I guess. And so I felt a little bit like I had to create a place where I could do that. And I would say that in Vancouver at the time, there also wasn't really anything like that. There were like Mm -hmm. ballet companies and modern companies. And so the contemporary dance community we have in Vancouver now has developed itself over the span of my career. The types Mm -hmm. of work that's here now was not here when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, And there were companies with like very distinctive contemporary ideas like Holy Body Tattoo um, that I remember... But even when I started my company, like Crystal Pites company was just starting, One Way Dance was just starting. So mm-hmm. my company is almost as old, if not as old as those companies. So that was really what drove me to starting my company was to have a place where I lived in Vancouver at the time where I could dance in a way that housed all of my movement interests. Mm-hmm. I feel like if I knew that if I auditioned for Netherlands Dance Theater or something, maybe I would be taken seriously at any other companies in Europe or or whatever. Things that I, I maybe, once I got out into the world and started having my the rest of my career, I realized, oh, I probably could have auditioned those places and maybe I mm-hmm. wouldn't have made it in, but I probably would have made it in somewhere like that. So yeah, that's what drove me to start my company. Also, I since I was a kid, I had a very strong foregrounded interest in making things mm-hmm. over performing things. So I also felt like at my young age, no one was going to give me the opportunity to make things. I had mm-hmm. to find the resources for myself to make them. 
Whereas now I see that if I had have gone and been a dancer in a company, a lot of companies have programs to support dancers to become choreographers and actually everything could have been a whole lot easier. <laughs> I would have much more resources and I would have lived in somewhere else in the world and my life would have been completely different, but this is the path that I chose and where I wound up. Do you ever wish you went down a different path? Yes, all the time. I feel like there's a finite amount of resources for dance. Mm -hmm. And as we move in and out of financial uncertainty and recessions and shifts in government, um, the amount of money available for independent companies is always shifting. Mm -hmm. As we move through political trends and social trends, who receives resources is always shifting. So it's like the more, the less you're supported by institutions, the harder you have to work to obtain resources to make anything mm -hmm. and the less credibility you have to obtain resources. It's kind of like this big double-edged sword. So it's like the more institutionalized you are, the more other institutions will support you because their friends run the other places and mm -hmm. because they see that you're in the newspaper from this place or they see it's like you get these like stamps of approval along the way and the more yeah. stamps you have the more stamps you get so the kind of like more independent more rogue you are in dance I generally feel at least up until now maybe things are, are changing a little bit um, to for the field to become more inclusive but um, I definitely feel the, that the more independent you are the less supported you are likely to be mm -hmm. Uh, at the scale of resource that I require to work with the quality of dancers that I want to work with. So I would do, I would have done everything differently. I would have, if I knew, I would have tried to go to Juilliard or I would have tried to go to the National Ballet of Canada School or the Royal Ballet School. I would have tried to dance in a ballet company for a little while mm -hmm. and spent a couple of years and then I would have tried to dance in an institutionalized contemporary company for a little while and I would have let those places make me a choreographer so that mm -hmm. they they got something out of um, supporting me they got the credibility of having made me always knocking on the door of these places as an outsider when no one benefits from your success but you and audiences who like watching your work is exhausting mm -hmm. and it's better for other people to think that they created you than to take to have them have to take a chance on you mm. oh god <laughs> that's, that's really hard to think about so in this case how do you keep going with move the company how is this not like super discouraging for you uh it is super discouraging <laughs> yeah it's super discouraging. It's incredibly challenging. Uh, like I started my company when I was 17. I'm 35. So I've had the company for 18 years. Yeah. And I feel like I'm constantly at the whim of shifting elements in terms of funding. Like I can have a company for 18 years and still have no security in our, our grant funding. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, because of so many systemic factors in terms of the operating versus project streams of funding at various levels of arts council and and whatnot that um so we're we're in a moment where there's a whole big pack of single choreographer led companies where those choreographers are heading into retirement but they're still in operating funding and then there's like a middle ground of people where there's no space in operating funding and so some of us have not been able to move into that consistent support but i've had a company for 18 years already and I'm in like a funding stream with some people who are still just starting their careers so there's a lot of things that it's like you just kind of have to roll with it and Mm -hmm. be like okay uh it doesn't mean that we're not advancing or that our credibility isn't enhancing or that um yeah it's just it's just not everything um kind of like rolls out the way that it seems like it should and it it is discouraging but also i believe in what i make mm-hmm. and i'm surrounded by high quality teams of people who are really invested in what they're doing and in delivering my work well and i can say that i felt that way for the last few years about every person i've had work within the company so i feel really good when i'm at work and I feel mm-hmm. really good with my teams and I feel good about the quality of work that we make. And you just have to foreground those feelings when you're like exhausted and writing another grant at one o'clock in the morning when you should be sleeping. <laughs> you just have to like remind yourself why you're doing this. And then yeah. all smart about not overextending yourself relative to the resources of your organization. And mm-hmm. I've had to learn that the hard way. Um, but it's a lesson that I'm like constantly learning and relearning and coming back to and reconfiguring and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, as I mentioned acting before, I will again, uh, people talk about how doing work for the screen pays more doing than um, doing work for the stage. Uh-huh. Uh, is that also the case for Uh, dancing and choreographing because I know you've worked for for both you've done choreo work for the Royal Ballet Toronto Dance Theatre or but you've also worked on stuff like the CW's Hellcats or Warner Brothers The Wicker Man Um, when you think about the discussion that goes on for acting that is for um, comparing stage versus the screen do you think that there's also this discussion that would happen with dance when it comes to stage versus screen. Um, do you think it differentiates as much as acting? Um, I think that all commercial work uh, is supported by u- a union structure that keeps the payment for artists and creators way higher mm-hmm. than in any sort of like nonprofit concert dance scenario. Mm-hmm. Main stage choreographers at large scale opera houses and big ballet companies can earn quite a lot of money. Um, however, um, not relative to like movie stars and movie directors mm-hmm. right like we're still talking in dance but like relative to dance in shows in you know vancouver at a smaller venue or at a smaller company there's a big spectrum of salaries within dance based on location 
and with the scale mm-hmm. and and amount of fame like fame is real and dance just as as, as it is in hollywood um, yeah. but anything that you're going to do that's more commercial you're going to get paid more money for so if you're choreographing for you know a, a music act or a cruise ship show or a tv series or mm-hmm. anything like that even if it's even if it's still stage but commercial the fees are going to be higher because mm-hmm. people are paying a higher ticket price generally, or people have an advertising budget, or when you're working with nonprofit dance supported through grants, people are always just like barely, or at least in my experience, <laughs> most companies are just barely getting enough funding to make the project happen. Mm-hmm. So if you're being paid decently or reasonably well by dance standards in contemporary dance in Canada, I'd say you're getting paid very well. Mm-hmm. to the, the the resources that are actually available out there whereas like every person who goes and works on a tv series that's union in bc for example all those dancers are making the same amount of money it doesn't matter whether it's their first job or their 80th job basically for the most part there might be like a few little discrepancies based on if you have a line or if you might have certain perks for being in the union longer i don't know there but generally it's predetermined and yeah, like for me, one day on a TV series on set can pay me the amount that my company can pay me for a week. Mm-hmm. It's, and then if you get a lot of overtime, it could pay double that. You know, yeah. it's like there's always an advantage to going and doing some commercial work just to offset the financial strain of the amount of time we invest into contemporary arts relative to the amount of money that is available for it. So, yeah. And, and I think it makes sense. Like if I'm going to go and do something where as a dancer, where the revenue stream is in the millions versus the revenue stream for a production in Vancouver maxing out between, you know, 10,000 and 100,000, depending on the venue and the run or something, then how could you possibly pay people the amount that they could earn to work commercially on screen? Yeah, that's true. And when it comes to the artistry, um, are there any differences to creating work for the stage versus the screen? Completely different. I mean, mm-hmm. I've made work for the screen that is within, um, I've been working a lot with choreography for a dance film, which was kind of prompted through COVID, the necessity of that. And I feel that the, the thing that's different is the choreographic process is the editing process. Mm. So you're you're even if you've already choreographed the piece and then you're shooting it, you're still choreographing how people are seeing the exact angle they're seeing the movement from. Whereas mm. in the theater, people are seeing the movement from a different angle based on where they're seated. Mm-hmm. So there's like and where they choose to move their head. So it's like in film, you're determining where you're determining the eye the singular eye for the viewer um the singular perspective and for stage you want the work to be as interesting as possible from all perspectives in a way uh that are available within the house um or at least i do i'm sure some people don't care they just put it from the center of the stage um but uh in terms of commercial work for screen I would say that in my experience as a dancer and as a choreographer, it may generally asks for two to five percent of my capability. And then I feel like when I'm in contemporary arts process, I'm always trying to find the extra like 
10% of the 110th percent of my ability. Like, how can mm -hmm. I go further? What can I learn more about? What, how can I challenge myself further in this space? Um, I've never felt challenged through commercial work in a way mm -hmm. that like enriched my artistic process. It definitely enriched my bank account. And sometimes I've had fun and yeah. sometimes I've really not had fun. And it's just, you're just doing it for the money. And other times it's like, you're doing it because you have developed these skills and you deserve to be supported for that time that you've invested into developing the skills and commercial work affords a platform for that to happen financially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And going from stage versus the screen, my last question to you is about creating work for your own company versus other companies. Mm. Um, because as I mentioned previously, you have done work with different dance companies, whether it is a, um, ballet company or whether it is contemporary um is it challenging to make something for a company that has a different signature style than you as an artist um i i don't feel that because i i love ballet mm -hmm. i love contemporary dance i love like a, a really broad spectrum of contemporary dance within the notion of contemporary dance mm -hmm. and I really like classical ballet and I like neoclassical ballet and I like contemporary ballet so I'm interested in finding a fusion between my interest mm -hmm. and the skill set of the people in front of me where there are definitely choreographers who are only interested in doing what they do mm -hmm. and if the dancers can't really do that well it doesn't matter that's what the choreographer is going to do and then the result might work and might work not work it might yeah. be a disaster and that's really not me what I'll make for a ballet company is not what I'll make for a contemporary company I, yeah I, there's very different facets within my work and I love them both equally um the challenge is that ballet company structures are built off of a time when every step that ballet ballet dancers had to do everyone in the room could name Mm -hmm. And everyone in the room was like practicing those steps in class. Yeah. So I feel like ballet companies want contemporary work with complexity and a contemporary perspective and, um, and, and whatnot, but the dancers daily class is still classical ballet. And so the dancers are not being informed with contemporary pathways outside of rehearsal process generally. Um, which is also part of necessity because these dancers are still performing classical ballet. Mm -hmm. But then the amount of time dedicated to the creative process is not enough to teach people contemporary dance and contemporary pathways and contemporary ideas and make something. And so I always feel that in uh, ballet companies, I never have enough time to make something at my capacity. Mm -hmm. And so I'm often compromised and presented as a lesser version of what I actually know I intended to make or what I can make. And I also feel that I have the ability to guide classical dancers into really um, realized and full-bodied contemporary performances, mm -hmm. but rarely is that time or focus granted within those environments. So I like working with ballet dancers in my own company environment who are from these places where we dedicate time to really working on that together. And then we all get the result that is enriching, but it means that I have to find the money to do it versus the ballet company paying me to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, um, I wish, I really do wish we could keep talking. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're, 
we're at the end of our um and end of our time i really do appreciate you coming on the show and talking with me thank you so much <laughs> My pleasure. have a great new year 